Our scripture reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the work of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Ebenezer, will you just give God thanks with me one more time this morning? We are incredibly grateful for this scripture. I got to tell you, this is one of my favorites, and I'm so excited to be preaching on it and to be sharing it with you this morning. Uh, But before we do that, I got to tell you about my week. I have got to tell you. So this week, I knew that it would be a quite strenuous week. I knew that this would be a work-heavy week for me because why? Pastor Donovan is the new guy in town still. So I'm getting used to new email systems. I'm blazing through documents. I am learning new ways of using my new computer. I'm using my old computer. And so as I'm beginning the week, and I know, knowing that it'll be a work-heavy week, what does Pastor Donovan do? Well, I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good administrator. So I charge up all of my devices, getting them ready for the week. The 4th of July is here. I want to go enjoy the fireworks, but I charge up all my devices because I want to have a nice strong battery so that I could use my devices throughout the week. Now, I I make this a practice because I don't like to sit near the wall with the charger, you you know, like the geek at the coffee shop and say, oh yeah, but I would prefer just to be mobile. I would prefer to be mobile and just take my computer wherever. So I charge up all my devices and I know that if I fully charge each of my devices, both my MacBook and my Windows, my new Windows computer, I guess. I'm getting used to that. <laughs> this is not an app for Apple, by the way. But I'm charging up my devices. And, and as I'm doing that, I'm knowing that, well, it, it, I could go on a full battery at least three days on, my, on a full battery. Like that, good products, right? And if I'm lucky, I could probably get a fourth day. I could probably squeeze day four. Some days, if I hadn't used it as much, day five, I could get quite a bit. Well, Monday morning, uh, well, Monday night, I decided to get a, get a head start on some work, and I am in the game. I am good. Battery is solid. Tuesday comes around. Pastor Donovan is still in the game. I'm good. I'm doing my work. I'm getting things done, working. I'm accomplishing some work this week. Wednesday comes around. I'm in my office around noon, and one by one, each of my devices begin to die. I'm like, I'm finishing on my MacBook, dies. Finishing on my, you know, Chrome thing, dies. Okay, well, I'll go to my tablet, dies. <laughs> All of my devices dies. I'm preparing, and I get instantly flustered. I am upset. I'm irritable, and I'm like, man, I just charged all of my devices. I know I can make it through my week. I'm frustrated, okay? <laughs> Frust- absolutely frustrated. 
But in the midst of that, I had a big spiritual moment, this great spiritual awakening. I, I learned something about myself. I, I learned something cool. Well, n- number one, I feel so sorry for Tesla owners and electric car owners. I'm just saying, I got to say it. If you're in here today, I apologize, but I do. I feel sorry. Uh, but but then, no, th- th- there was something deeper than, than my sympathy or my empathy with uh, electric car owners. And it was that uh, sometimes in our spiritual lives, in our life of faith, um, in our Christian journey, on our walk, whether that's throughout the week, whether that's throughout a month, if we're experiencing a particular season in our lives as we are journeying throughout our lives with ourselves or with other people, it dawned on me that we sometimes could treat our spiritual lives the same way that Pastor Donovan treats his batteries or his devices. That at some point of our lives, we get charged up about what we're going to do. We have these moments where we're all fired up. We're ready to go. We're ready to start on the journey, to continue on the journey. And then we keep going along the way and we find ourselves without power. We find ourselves without being, without uh, that, that, uh, that, that nature of being charged up. And it dawned on me, well, well, this is true of our spiritual life, too. This is certainly true of my life. I can't tell you the number of times that I've been, I've gone throughout life and I was excited about something and then it changed. I just lost it. My, the spiritual vitality that I had, the power, the energy about life that I had dwindled somehow, had gone away. It reminded me as I prepared a message for you all today as one of your new pastors. Well, what prayer could I pray? What, what could I tell Ebenezer Church? What could I tell faithful people about their lives? And it will be the scripture that Paul prays for the Ephesians, that he pens for the Ephesians. And I chose this scripture or this scripture came to me because Paul is, is writing with a lot of power here. As you listen to as you listen to uh, the scripture text. You hear Paul write into this very faithful community. Now, Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, Christians in Ephesus, followers of the way in Ephesus were a very strong community. They were a solid community. They were charged up. They were fired up about the work that they were doing. In fact, Paul, on his first uh, missionary efforts, he had spent about three years in that in that particular field in Ephesus. And he was gearing them up, giving them power, giving them strength. He was raising up new disciples, the community of disciples begin to grow. It was the most vibracious community that you could ever think of, right? They had it going on. This was Paul's strongest church plant. It was his strongest community that he had been a part of. Well, if you know anything about Paul's ministry and about the work that he was doing of spreading the good news, you would, knew, you would know that it's a pretty taboo thing during this first century time. In this first century world, as Paul is doing ministry, he's preaching the good news, he's evangelizing to different places, he's church planning, he's doing this kind of network itinerant ministry. And as he's doing it, he's doing it with this message that's getting people really stirred up, that's getting people that that's giving people some sort of power. It's not just like this philosophical message that was going around in Ephesus at the time about philosophy and about new types of gods. Right. And about new ways of life. Right. But no, it was something about God at work in the world. And that gave the people power. It had given people so much power. In fact, um, uh, there would be people um, who didn't believe in the message, who would try to argue and who would try to contend with Paul about the nature of the message. But this spirit, this message could not be stopped. And that, w- that is what lands Paul in prison. So he's in Roman captivity. 
Paul's in Roman captivity. And because he wants for the community in Ephesus to still be empowered, to still have within them this spirit of grit, he writes to them and he tells them, do not lose power. He pens for them a beautiful prayer, perhaps the most beautiful prayer you could pray for someone so that they do not lack energy, that they, in fact, stay plugged in into who they are and into what they're doing so that they could continue that work. I would imagine that Paul is somewhat scared about the good news message. Uh, how is the, the, the word going to get out? How are more people's lives going to be transformed? How are more people going to be healed and experience the, the, the good nature of Christ in people's lives? If I'm in jail, he consults the Ephesians and he says, I want to pray this prayer for you. You're a strong church. You're doing whatever you're doing. And while you're doing what you're doing, it's a good job. But sometimes as you're doing that good job, I know that there are moments in your ministry where you can get weak and where you can grow weary or where you may get stuck or where you can't get over the hump. And he writes this prayer for them and he tells them, I want you to have two things. Two things. He said, I want you to have wisdom and I want you to have revelation. Wisdom and revelation. He says, I pray that God will bless you with the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Ebenezer Church, I, just like Paul, want to pray that same thing for you today. Each and every individual individual in here, I've not met a lot of you all yet. Can't wait to meet you. But even though we haven't met, whether you're new to this church or not, I want to pray that same prayer. That God blesses you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, Pastor Donovan, why not a Tesla? Pray that for me. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, the new pastor on the scene praying for you a Tesla? Okay, I'll do it. If, if I get a chance to ride in it with you. <laughs> but for now, you get wisdom and you get revelation, okay? <laughs> so, Pastor Donovan, why wisdom? Well, I, well, why, well, wisdom because I would imagine that as Paul is writing, that he's saying, I want you to have the ability to have a little bit of power. And as we're thinking about power and what wisdom is and what wisdom does for us in our lives, by contemporary definition, we know that it's the ability to do what? Make sound decision, decisions, make good choices in our lives. But as Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, these Christians, these faithful people, I'd be concerned if he was just writing for them to make good decisions, right? To just make good decisions, to only make good decisions? Well, I think that's good, but what is Paul onto here? Well, Paul is writing for them to have wisdom, but a certain type of wisdom, a divine wisdom that gives people insight as to what their identity is in this first century world that they're living in. This Greco-Roman world that they are, that they are, um, that they are living in, that they're, this generation of people that exists where philosophy is high, where new ideologies is high, where there's an angry group of people who are, are not too pleased about this message about this guy who was hung on, who, who hanged on a cross and was, was dead, that the Romans killed. They, people were not excited during that time. But Paul writes to them and says, I want you to have wisdom about your identity in this message, about what you have received when you first came into this faith. When you first believe, I want you to understand the nature of truth, the truth of what God is doing in the world and the truth of what God seeks to do in you. I want you to have good spiritual fruit. I want you to bear good spiritual fruit like peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's a part of your identity that helps people to see Jesus Christ in you. 
The, the radiation of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior in your life. That's the fruit that you have to have. And, and yes, you'll be able to do other things in your life with that wisdom, like make good decisions. But, but we don't want you to just make decisions. It's having the identity to inform our everyday life. Now, I got to say, I remember I was in college and I was um, on a search for a girlfriend or potential wife. And I remember, and I remember I had this checklist of things, right? I thought I was so wise. I had this checklist of things that I thought a good wife should be and things a good wife should have. She should have long hair and she should, she, her eyes should be this color and all these other things. And then when I got my wife, I said, well, wow, she's nothing what I prayed for. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> she's nothing. But, but what I really received, what I, what I, I thought I was making a good choice. I thought I was wise. But what I really received was someone who had things that were more eternal, like joy. That woman is full of joy. She's full of the Holy Spirit. Her, she comes from a, a family that's excited about life. Whenever we get in circles together, we're cracking jokes on each other. We're having a good time. We're also encouraging each other. She's a joy to be around. But I didn't have the wisdom then to think about, well, she should be funny. She should have joy. <laughs> She should, she should have patience. I mean, come on. Who thinks to pray about that stuff? <laughs> I didn't have the wisdom then. But that was me and my decision making. But I, I believe that God wants for us what Paul writes to this community for them to have is beyond just decision making. It is decision making that is in our lives, of course, but out of, but, but, but it's an expression of the life that we live in Christ after we have borne good fruit of the Spirit. So he says, I want you to have wisdom. I want you to have wisdom so that you will know who you are in this world and know how to operate in this world because of your identity. And your identity is seated in the person of Christ. When people see you coming, they should see Jesus. They should see the Christ. And then he prays for, pers- not perseverance, he prays for revelation. He prays, so he prays for them to have things revealed to them, for them to have constant aha moments in their life, constant awakenings in their spiritual journey where they are made aware of what God is doing in the world. But what also what, but, but then also what God is doing inwardly, what God is doing in my personal self, what God is doing in Pastor Donovan, that you have constantly revealed to you who God is calling you to be inwardly, and then what God is calling you to do as a result of that calling, as a result of that identity. You, you constantly have these aha moments that as you're going deeper with God, as you are spending more time abiding with God, getting to know God, growing deeper, going places, maturing in your faith, progressing, as you dig these good spiritual roots, you will constantly be made aware of more of who God is and more of what God is doing in the world. That the full story of God is revealed to you more and more. Things are clear. And so he prays for them so that he prays for them uh, to have their spiritual, uh, to have the eyes of their hearts open. Now, I don't know where you can find a heart with eyes. So I would have to, I would have to just, just kind of do some research or do some thinking on what Paul is getting at here. As he talks about the eyes of your heart being enlightened. Come on, Paul. You're making it hard for 21st century Christians. <laughs> well, Paul, what I believe and what I'm convinced that Paul is talking about here, um, it, it, it's, of course, something metaphorical. Yes, something that's, 
you know, philosophical. But I think that's something, but, but I think it's something that's deeply spiritual in nature. Something deeply spiritual. I believe Paul, as he's talking to this strong church, these strong Christians who sometimes in their lives may have problems, that he's writing to them knowing that. He's saying, you're doing a great job. He's congratulating them. He says, I've been blessed by your work in the choir. <laughs> Good job. I mean, you, c- c- come on. The ministry you led out when you were in Samaria, fantastic. Excellent job. What about the, the food pantry that you started? Phenomenal. Keep going. But there's more. <laughs> there's more in you. There's more around you. There's more to what God is doing because the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And so he writes to them because he says, you can grow weary. You're strong, but you can grow weary. <laughs> you can grow weary in your faith and on your journey in life. And he speaks to their hearts being enlightened because what I think he's speaking to is, is, is a spiritual dullness. It's, it's a spiritual blur, blurriness. I don't know. <laughs> Blurriness, where their vision, where the, the eyes of your heart, the, the vision is blurred there. For me, eyes is directional, right? What you see is just what you see. Sometimes it's blurry. For some of, well, for, for some of us, it's blurry. For some of us, it's not. And it's directional. But I believe what Paul is saying here about the heart, too, is that the heart is also directional, that it has, dispos- it has an attitude, it has a position. And he's asking, well, where, are, where, where, where are, are your eyes enlightened? Do you have clear vision? And is your heart clean? Is your heart clear? Does your heart have good spiritual fruit? You can see fruit, but in your heart, does your heart have good spiritual fruit? He doesn't want them to be spiritually dull, but he wants for them to be empowered. He wants for them to have Jesus Christ in their life and that in their lives and for their spiritual life to be fully charged always for them never to grow dull on their spiritual journey, on their relational journey with God. But for them to always constantly have God revealed to them more and more so that they can have the energy to do more of what God is calling them to be and do in this world. And so Paul prays that for these Christians living in Ephesus. He pens it for them through prayer. And it's a congratulations, but it's also a message of warning. That we could be strong, but the strong can be weak sometimes. That we have weaknesses. Or that in our lives we could be weak at this moment. And we need a little power. At the conclusion of this week, as I... Uh, I was leaving a meeting. I grabbed my computer and uh, on the way back to my office, um, a friend of mine comes running behind me with my power cord to my computer. And she's saying, Pastor Donovan, you left your power cord. And the words struck me. Her next words struck me like never before. She says, you won't go far without it. You won't get your work done. Nothing will happen. It won't turn on. Nothing will happen. You need your power cord. And so my prayer for you today, church, friends, family, is that you have God's power in you always. Because it is likely that at different points on our Christian journey, throughout our walk in life, we could lose a little bit of power. But I want you to stay connected. Amen.